As we read the Bible, one thing that's really important to understand is that our condition is not often how we think of it. We think of ourselves as being pretty good. We think that we deserve good things. We deserve people to treat us nicely. We deserve blessings. We deserve this and that and this and that. But the Bible tells a very different story. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're not good, and we don't deserve anything except for God's wrath. That's the condition of every single man, woman, boy, girl on the planet, according to the Bible. When we think of ourselves as being pretty good and deserving of God's goodness, then certain stories in the Bible just don't seem fair, like the story of Jacob and Esau that we're in right now. But when we start from the point of view that we are all sinners and we all deserve God's wrath, then it doesn't seem unfair. We see that God's kindness is simply God's kindness and mercy, and it's not deserved. It's just God's mercy. And if we have received God's mercy, if he has opened our eyes to see who Jesus is and has blessed us, then we know that it's not because we deserved it or earned it or did good things to get it, but it's simply because God is so kind. We don't deserve his mercy, but he bestows it. He gives it generously. I'm so glad that you joined me on Audacious Arrows today, where we're becoming recklessly bold men and women of faith through the power of God's word. I think at this point it's helpful to do a little review, a little recap of where we've been in the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis is the book of beginnings, and understanding where everything starts helps us understand what's happening in the world around us and where we're heading. So it is important to study the book of Genesis. We started out with the beginnings of the world. God created everything. Everything that we see around us was made by God for his glory. We also saw that he made Adam and Eve. People are created by God in his image to glorify him. And they fell. They disobeyed God and wanted to be like God. And they ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of evil, the one thing God had forbidden them to do. And as a result, they were cursed and all of creation fell along with them. But there was a promise in that curse that God gave to Eve, the promise that one of her offspring one day would crush the head of the serpent. In part, the Bible is all about waiting for that particular offspring. When will this offspring come? When will the head of the serpent be crushed? And we know because we've read other parts of the Bible that that offspring is Jesus Christ. Well, as we continue our walk through Genesis, the next thing that happens is that we see all of humanity spirals into wickedness and rebellion, so much so that God is grieved and he destroys all of humanity with a catastrophic global flood, except he has mercy on Noah and his three sons and their wives, and he rescues them. They build an ark. God puts them in there. And we talked about that that ark points forward to that offspring of Eve. Someday there will be a person, not a boat, but a person who rescues us. We can hide inside of him and he rescues us from the wrath of God, just like that ark rescued Noah and his family from the wrath of God. And we know that that person is Jesus. 
And after that, we have the Tower of Babel, where people didn't want to obey God. They didn't want to fill the earth and spread out and multiply it. They wanted to keep themselves together and find their own way to heaven. And God confused their language. The only way that we can have peace that we can get to God is through him. We can't do it on our own efforts. And one day that offspring will come back and he will unite people and he'll bring languages back together again. We'll see that a little bit more when we get to the book of Revelation someday. Well, we carry on and then God calls Abram and calls him out of Ur of Chaldeans and brings him to the land of Canaan. And then God makes a one-sided covenant with him and promises him, not based on anything Abraham has done, but just because God promises him all sorts of things. He promises him to give him great blessing, to give him the promised land, the land of Canaan for uh, an eternal possession for his descendants. He promises to give Abraham children and, and offspring that would outnumber the stars of heaven and the dust of earth. And he promises that all of the families will be blessed through the offspring of Abraham. And we know how all the families of the earth are blessed through the offspring of Abraham. One of those offspring will be that same offspring of Eve. Jesus Christ and all of the families of the earth are blessed through Jesus Christ. Well, this covenant that God made with Abraham passes down to Abraham's child, Isaac, specifically to Isaac, his child of the promise, this miraculous child that was born to Abraham and Sarah in their old age. Abraham's other children are not children of this promise. Ishmael is not the one that the covenant passes down to. And so he was sent away along with Abraham's other children that he had. So the promise passed from Abraham to Isaac. And then we saw in this family struggle between Isaac's two twin children, Jacob and Esau, that the promise passes down to Jacob. In spite of Jacob's sins and failures, God still passes this promise along to him. And that's about where our story picks up today. We left off our reading last time with Rebecca talking to Isaac, saying she loathed her life because her son Esau had taken two Hittite women as wives. And this was horrible to Rebecca. Esau and Jacob had just had this uh, big falling out. Jacob had tricked Esau out of the blessing. And Esau was determined to kill Jacob. So Rebecca wants Jacob to leave, to run away, um, partly because she wants to protect Jacob from Esau and partly because she wants Jacob to find a wife who is not a Hittite. She wants Jacob to find a wife from their own family. And that's where we left off last time. All right, let's dig in. We're in Genesis chapter 28, verse 2. One. So find in your Bible, Genesis chapter 28, verse 1. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him. You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Badam Aran, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. 
Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob and Esau's mother. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Badan Aram to take a wife from there, and that as he blessed him, he directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and gone to Padan Aram. So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac, his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, besides the wives he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael. Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night, because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep, and he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Well, we start out this section with Isaac once again blessing Jacob and kind of sending him on his way. And he's saying, you know, may, may God bless you and may the blessings of Abraham go to you. So once again, he's kind of restating that these blessings that God gave to Abraham are passing down to Jacob as he sends Jacob off to Laban, Rebekah's brother, so that Jacob can find a wife. One way to think of this is that Isaac and Rebekah want Jacob to find a wife who fears the Lord. That's why they want a wife from their family, because they want him to find a wife that will be unified with him, who will fear the Lord and who will help um, honor God in their family. And then we flip over and we see what's happening with Esau. And Esau sees that, well, taking wives from the Hittite people wasn't pleasing to his parents. So he tries to please his parents, but he misses just a little bit. He takes a wife from Ishmael's daughters. But I think Isaac is not understanding something. 
When we read the book of Matthew, we talked a lot about that we need God to give us new hearts, and we also need him to give us spiritual sight. We need him to open our eyes um, to see Jesus specifically, but to understand spiritual realities. We can't do that on our own. It's by his mercy. And here we see that Esau, he just doesn't have that spiritual sight. He doesn't understand what this covenant with Abraham was all about. And he doesn't understand um, that Ishmael is not the child of the promise. And so he's just misguided here again. And I would point out to you that it isn't because he didn't deserve it. It isn't because Jacob was so good that he deserved God's mercy to bless him, to help him. It's because God had mercy on whom he had mercy. God chose to have compassion and mercy on Jacob and pass this blessing on to him. Not because Jacob was better than Esau, but because God had mercy on whom he had mercy. Sometimes that's a difficult concept for us to understand, but it is important that we get that point. Um, God's blessings don't come to us because of our own goodness. They come to us simply because God is good. And for his own sake, he has mercy on us. Well, then Jacob is traveling on his way. And while he's traveling, he takes a stone and uses it as a pillow. Talk about an uncomfortable pillow. And he has this dream. And in the dream, he sees a ladder going from the earth all the way up to heaven. And angels are going up and down. Ascending is going up and descending is going down. And they're going up and down this ladder from God. And the Lord is at the top. And he says, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And then the Lord restates to Jacob this blessing, that this covenant that he had made with Abraham. Well, the Bible is full of kind of strange dreams. And if you have dreams ever, you know that they can be a little bizarre. And this one is no different. What's Why the ladder? What's this all about? Well, I, I don't think this one's too hard for us to understand. This ladder is connecting the earth with heaven. It's giving access to God. And we know when we look forward in the Bible that Jesus clearly says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So in a way, this ladder is pointing us to Jesus. Jesus is like that ladder. He is the way to God, just like this ladder is the way up to the Lord. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 says, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. So a mediator is someone who goes between, just like this ladder goes between God and man, between heaven and earth. So when you think about Jacob's ladder, you'll hear, you'll hear that phrase a lot through your life. Think Jesus Christ. The ladder points us to Jesus Christ. And Jacob's response is that he takes that stone that he was using for a pillow, a pillow, and he sets up a pillar to the Lord, and he calls the name of the place Bethel, which means the house of God. He says, wow, God is in this place. And then what's Jacob's response? And Jacob makes a vow, and he says, if God will be with me, if God will keep me, if God will give me bread to eat, if God will give me clothes to wear, if God will bring me again to my father's house in peace, 
Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone, which I've set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And then I will give you a full tenth of all that you give me. So Jacob's response is very conditional. Okay, God, if you do these things for me, then I will believe you. Then you'll be my God, and then I will give a tenth of all that you give me back to you. It's clear that Jacob has a long way to go with his faith. His response to God is like bargaining with him, and that's just not quite how it works with God. But that's what Jacob does. And I think it's clear to us once again that God is being gracious towards Jacob. He's blessing Jacob, not because of Jacob's faith, but just because he has mercy on whom he has mercy. God will work on Jacob and Jacob's faith will grow, but even his faith is a gift from the Lord. I just think that as we read about Jacob, over and over we see that God cares for Jacob for his own glory, for his own sake, because of his own mercy, not because Jacob deserves it. And I think we need to just remember that point. We see it over and over with the story of Jacob and his life. All right, let's talk about our memory verse for this week. Isaiah 43, verse 25. Let's read it two times. See if you can say it along with me. Isaiah 43, 25. I I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Let's say it one more time. See if you can say it along with me. Isaiah 43, 25. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Well, I'm so glad that you joined me once again on Audacious Arrows to read the Bible together. If you listen to this and you didn't have your Bible right with you, I would encourage you later on to go back and open up your Bible to those verses and read them for yourself. We'll see you next time.